Hello, my name is Sam Becker, and I'm the Brookings First United Methodist Church's Worship Technology and Media Director. On behalf of our pastors, Pete Grassow and Krista Ducker, I welcome you to this episode of Messages from First United Methodist Brookings. This podcast is a full audio version of the sermon and scripture from each week's Sunday morning and Wednesday Manna in the Middle services. Today's message was delivered by Pastor Krista Ducker on July 25th, 2021. You can watch the entire service on our website at brookingsmethodist.org and on our Facebook page at Brookings First United Methodist Church. Now, here's Pastor Krista with Jesus Meets a Traitor. We are concluding our Who is My Neighbor series, and each week in this series we've met another person that Jesus comes into contact with in his journey through the gospel. So that's going to continue today. We're going to talk about a meeting that Jesus has with a traitor. Notice the uh, the scare quotes. Jesus meets a traitor in our story today. And our story comes from the gospel of Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. So I invite us to look at that together. Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, the head taxman and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd, so he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there, a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I give away half of my income to the poor, and and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus said, Today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. This is the word of the Lord for us today. If it sounds a little different, it comes from the message translation. So it may sound a little different than what you've heard. Let's see. I'm going to do a little quiz and see if anybody knows this song. Sing along if you know it from your Sunday school days. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Good job, let's keep going. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Good job. I think we need to give ourselves a hand for that one. So I learned that when I was a kid. I see some of, some of us have, and maybe some of us haven't. I got some blank stares there, too. <laughs> but if you know this story, perhaps it, it brings back some memories for you. And it tells us a little bit about what it means to be found. What it means to be found. 
We have here in this story a tax collector, and those of you who may know uh, your gospel stories a little bit may be kind of familiar. This is a category of people that sort of got dumped on a lot (laughs) in Jesus's day. Um, The phrase occurs in three of the four gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's used as this kind of category of undesirable people in the culture. And of course, you just saw in the scripture, Zacchaeus is like the head of the undesirable people. So he's like the worst guy, right? So uh, often these people are lumped in with sinners or prostitutes. They're just part of this group of people that generally you didn't want to hang out with most of the time, right? That was the received wisdom of the day. The thing is, those are the people Jesus really liked to hang out with. He, He actually did that a lot. And we find that throughout Luke in particular, what, what we notice is, this is kind of, to use a, a word you may hear sometimes, it's kind of a trope. It's this category of people, and it's used throughout Luke, and it seems as if Jesus pokes at the prejudice that is habitually applied against this particular people group in the Gospel of Luke. He seems to be on an intentional mission to humanize this particular group of outsiders. So let me just tell you who tax collectors are in Jesus' day. They are Jewish people, so people from among Jesus' faith, Jesus was Jewish, who were commissioned by the Roman occupiers to collect taxes for them. Okay, imagine being in that spot. The Jewish people did not like the Romans. The Romans kind of had their boot on top of them. They oppressed them and made life generally pretty difficult for them. So here you have this group of people who are Jewish people who are hired by Romans to collect money for the Romans. So I'm sure that doesn't make you very popular among other Jewish people. So this is the group of people that Jesus continually tends to hang out with and he pokes at prejudices around this group of people. So first, I want to start with how this happens in Luke. It happens quite a bit, and there's a couple of places where I want to highlight that today in addition to the text we just read. The first happens right at the beginning in chapter 3 of Luke. You know, Luke starts out with the birth stories of Jesus. And then right away in chapter 3, we're we're introduced to this guy named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist comes along preaching a, uh, a gospel of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's his message. We need to, be, to repent and be baptized. And his message is so convicting to anyone who hears it that they fall and they say, what should we do? We're so convicted about your message that we need to repent. How should we change? What does life look like now for us if what you're saying is true? Lots of people came to hear him, including tax collectors. So in uh, chapter 3 of the Gospel of Luke, tax collectors come to him, and they're standing, they come along and they say, teacher, what should we do? So John says to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. This is the first, really the first time we hear about tax collectors in the Gospel of Luke. What's interesting to me when I read this was, he doesn't say, stop being a tax collector and go do something else. Isn't it interesting? You would think he might say that, but he doesn't. He says, okay, this is a necessary job, so if you have to do this job, do it fairly. If you are going to collect taxes, don't skim off the top. 
Don't take advantage of it, because it was very easy to do with the way that was set up. So what this says to us is that to John, and then later to Jesus, tax collectors are not condemned because of their job. See? So John doesn't shun tax collectors just because they're tax collectors, because they have this job. He just says to them, they need to do their job ethically. If they're gonna live in the way of the kingdom, they need to be fair in the way they do their job. So that gives us a little bit of a window into this, this dynamic with tax collectors in Luke's gospel. And then as the gospel story unfolds throughout Luke, we discover that the great scandal in this gospel is that Jesus persistently, habitually hangs out with these people. Drives people crazy. He can't stop hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And not only that, as the gospel goes on, Jesus seems to even use this trope or this category or talk to these people in surprising ways to show what the kingdom of God is like. He goes right to the people nobody wants to go to. He goes to the tax collectors. He goes to the sinners. And he says, this is how we're going to find out what the kingdom of God is like, by going to them. So I want to share... Another passage from Luke, actually from the chapter right before our text for today, comes in chapter 18, where Jesus talks about a tax collector again. This time it's not an actual meeting, it's a story. He's telling a story, or what we understand to be a parable. Our VBS kids learned about that a couple weeks ago. A parable about a tax collector. He says this in chapter 18. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all my income, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. So powerful Parable, powerful story. It makes me wonder how often that actually happened (laughs) in his day. Probably wasn't too far from the truth. So let's look again at our passage for today from Luke chapter 19. Let's look specifically at verses 5 to 7. This is what happens when Jesus meets Zacchaeus up in that sycamore tree. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he is gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. At this time, the gospel has been going on for a while. You can almost imagine people rolling their eyes. There he goes again. He's off to hang out with sinners again, right? So let me ask you a question as we've reviewed a little bit through the gospel of Luke. Who do you think is the lost? 
in these passages. Because remember, at the end of this, verse 10 of our passage today says, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. So who's lost? Who's lost in these passages? Who is Jesus finding? So let's think about it. In this passage we just read from chapter 18, the Pharisee is so full of his own hubris and arrogance that there is no room for a spirit of repentance or openness to God. No room. He's full of himself. In the second, the people are so busy grumbling about they think, how they think things should be run around here that they don't notice a kind, good, generous man standing right in front of them. I'll give, I'll give everything. I'll give half of what I own. And if I've, if I've robbed anybody, I'll pay back four times the amount. Generous man. They don't see it. So who's lost? I would submit as we listen to Jesus tell the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, they're both lost. <laughs> they're both lost in different ways. The difference is that one of them sees it, and one of them doesn't. We're all lost. And that is the heart of repentance. That's the heart of repentance when we recognize our need for God, when we accept the welcome of Christ, when we relinquish control and receive grace. See, by using this trope or this category of people understood to be outsiders or unwelcome or even unclean in Jesus' first century Judaic context, Jesus actually is giving us a model to pay attention and to interrogate our own prejudices, our own biases, our own assumptions about who is in and who is out and how God's grace works. We do that, don't we? We do. So put another way, Jesus is giving us a method for questioning our prejudices. Prejudice is really just a preconceived opinion that's not based on reason or actual experience. Something we heard, something we grew up with, something that happened to us. One person did something, and so all people suddenly we have a prejudice against. And originally, the Latin term meant causing actual harm or injury to a person as a result of a disregard for their rights. That's what prejudice meant. Doing harm to someone because of a disregard for their rights. It's, it's just meaning to judge beforehand. When we judge beforehand, without knowing, without having experience. So when we carry prejudice, beloved, Jesus says, we are actually causing harm to others in our minds. We're causing harm to others in our minds by judging them based on our own assumptions, rather than taking the time to get to know them for who they actually are. Zacchaeus was a generous, kind man. Jesus pulled it out of him because he chose to notice him. So Jesus encounters a man who is generous and kind, who gladly welcomes him and anyone else who wants to come join in the fun. And no one who's standing by watching seems to get it because they're too busy letting their biases and their prejudices 
about tax collectors, guide them. That's not to say there aren't reasons sometimes behind it. The job of tax collecting was ripe for corruption. It was really easy for tax collectors to gather Rome's portion and then skim a little off the top for themselves. So over the time, this reputation developed. These days, we might talk about, oh, I'll just pick a couple, lawyers, (laughs) used car salesmen, (laughs) right? But on a more serious note, think about your own life. Is there a group of people, be honest, is there a group of people that you steer clear of or even judge without ever meeting them just because of an association they have that you disapprove of? Or what somebody else said about them, maybe somebody important in your life. Or maybe a past hurt that you don't want to relive. What if Jesus is inviting us to be brave, to question our assumptions? Again, Jesus says at the end of our passage that he came to seek and save that which was lost. Just as in the passage in chapter 18 of Luke says in our parable, it's the tax collector who sees it. It's the tax collector whose behavior models the kingdom. Think about what the tax collector does. He seeks Jesus out. He even climbs up a tree so he can get a better look at him. He joyfully welcomes Jesus into his home at a moment's notice with hospitality. He gives generously of what he has to help others. And then he promises to make right what he's done wrong in the spirit of repentance. Because of this, Jesus calls him a true son of Abraham. Hear everyone watching, he says. Look, this is a true son of Abraham, a phrase that is reserved for those Jewish people who exemplify what is a faithful person, what a faithful person looks like. This man is a son of Abraham because of the way he has welcomed me, the way he has recognized his need, the way he has promised to make things right. See, the truth is, we're all lost, me included. When Jesus comes to seek and find us, it's not a one-time deal. We need to be found all the time, every day. Me and you need to be found. And we all need Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message from First United Methodist Brookings. To get every message delivered to you, subscribe to this podcast for free and leave us a review wherever you get yours. And be sure to watch for new podcasts from us launching in the coming months. You can always find more information about our services and outreach on our website at brookingsmethodist.org and on our Facebook page, Brookings First United Methodist Church. On behalf of the pastors of Brookings First United Methodist Church, thank you for listening and see you next time. This podcast was produced by Sam Becker on behalf of First United Methodist Church in Brookings, South Dakota. 
Intro and outro music was performed by our praise team under CCLI license number 936719, streaming plus license number 21039161. Visit brookingsmethodist.org for more information. Thank you.